things in the video. Uh, actually, we do need to mention that as well. Two years, two board retreats, two people have lost their shorts off the boat. So let's hope next year we uh, don't have a three-peat. Um, no, board retreat uh, was, was a, a really good uh, but challenging time together. You know, there's lots of fun. You saw the fun. Uh, Ernie is a crazy storyteller, let me just tell you. If you want some water skiing stories about seniors being carried, uh, man, you'll cry. It's, it's funny. Um, but beyond fun is we focused a great deal on reading scripture together, praying those scriptures through together, and reminding ourselves the truth of who God is and what he is calling our church to, to be in and to do. And so in the coming weeks ahead, uh, we're going to give you a few more details about those conversations, and we're going to include you in the process of that. Um, my takeaway from the weekend is this, and I hope this encourages you, is that if you are part of Banff Park Church family, is you have a leadership group that deeply is concerned with your spiritual health and growth. We're a church about discipleship, and we intend to do that to the best of our abilities. We want to equip you in your faith and in your trust in the Lord. And that's kind of our overall theme. But how we're going to accomplish that, how to evaluate some of the ministries and some of the challenges that we've had, um, finding volunteers, some COVID, post-COVID hangover. We're going to talk about some of that uh, in the sermon here. But we've really sought God's wisdom, and we feel like God has been very clear with us. But in the midst of that, what's going to happen is, is you're going to get, uh, we're going to call it a survey of sorts, is going to come out. And we're going to ask you some really tough questions. And, and the goal is not to try and, you know, air your laundry as such. We don't need names on those surveys. But we want people to be honest because we want to be a church that cares for each of you. And so if there's challenges in your life, if one of the biggest things that you're dealing with is, if you said, man, our family's dealing with addiction and we don't know how to deal, we don't know how to move forward, then we pray that you would be honest with that so that we could see what is a need in our church. How can we seek to, to, to meet that need and to help? But also we want to ask questions about ministry opportunities. What ideas do you have, do you see as important in the community of Banff that we would declare Christ and make him known? How, how can we accomplish that together? The board had no desire to be like, hey, let's sit down, let's come up with the idea of what to do and then tell people what to do. Rather, it was let's partner with the congregation to figure out where is the passion? Where are we excited about? And if we're not excited about the ministry that the church is called to, then how can we get excited about that? And so that's what's going to be coming uh, in the weeks, uh, a couple of months ahead here. And so we would ask for your prayers, for wisdom as we seek to kind of put that survey together, as we wrestle through uh, Randy and I as the elders, we'll kind of wrestle through those responses and, and then bring those to the board uh, more generally speaking, and we'll try and see uh, where is God directing us and, and how can we move forward. So that's, that's what the weekend was. It was, uh, it was very challenging in that sense, but also very encouraging to know that there's a group of people that gave up their whole weekend to come together to spend lots of time in prayer, study scripture, and say, God, what are you calling us to do? And so I'm so encouraged by that. Now, as we move forward here, if you're visiting, we just started. So all of July, we spent time uh, in a mini-series on prayer. 
And that was very intentional because my goal was that by the time we got to the board retreat, that we would be very familiar with praying through Scripture, praying the very words of God that he might reveal to us his will for us. And then as August kind of flipped, then two weeks ago, we began to look at stewardship. What is God calling of us and how are we going to steward well? And so the first week we looked at the stewardship of our spiritual gifts. So real quick summary, real quick for, for those of you who maybe who weren't here, is if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have submitted Christ as Lord of your life, then according to the scriptures, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a few unique purposes that we talked about, but one of them is that he has gifted you with a spiritual gift to accomplish the mission of the church together. He has given you one, at least one specific way in which he has called you to be the hands and feet of Jesus together as one body. And we talked about how the body needs the whole body if it's going to run effectively. And, you know, some of us learned that on the weekend. I squashed my little pinky and I felt like I broke my leg. No, that's not quite true. But I couldn't use my right hand for the rest of the day. And all of a sudden, there's that tangible reminder of just how important these little muscles in the end of your finger are. Well, the same is true of the church. As God has called his people together, he has redeemed them and called them to mission and purpose together, and we need each other to accomplish that. And so everything that we say both this morning, we're going to look at the stewardship of our time Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the stewardship of our finances, but both of those things are going to run back to the stewardship of our spiritual gifts, how God has called us to use those things with the gifts he's given us so that our church might grow. And so these two very practical aspects of of time and money uh, are are just two, and, and I'm not sure yet we might go another one the week after that. But let me just start this morning, right before we read Ephesians 5, by saying this. Um, This was the most convicting and challenging study and sermon that I've written in a long time. Not because it's complex, but because the implications of it and the evaluation of my own heart left me going, man, I (laughs) I have much to learn here. And I hope, and I say this as lovingly as I can, I hope that you are convicted as well. Because conviction brings about change. Conviction brings about the Spirit of God saying, here's what needs to to be addressed in our hearts and in our lives so that we would follow Christ more. And so we're really only going to look at three verses, and specifically one of those three even more so. This is Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15 to 17. In fact, this is such a short little kind of couple of sentences that maybe it's easy to spring right over top, but let's look at this. It says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Three short Real simple verses. And yet there's some really heavy implication in that. So first I want to look at the first verse and then the third verse and then we're going to spend most of our time in the second. Look carefully then how you walk. Now again, right? Not literal. Paul's not writing saying, hey, be careful how you actually physically walk. 
but your walk, your life, the way in which you represent yourself to the world. See, you all know this now, but the world is actively watching Christians. And how are we living? Are we living consistent with what Scripture teaches, or are we flying from one extreme to the other, and are we losing our witness? Paul says, evaluate, look carefully at how you are living. Maybe an easy way to say it is this. It's your walk is not about how much money you make or how big your house is, how many friends you have, how many followers on social media you have or anything else that the world sees as important. Paul's calling us to evaluate our lives on whether we're being a people of wisdom living the way that God has called us to live. The third verse says, don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. There's two things in there, and I think we both, or we want both of these things, is we want to be people who are wise, and I really hope that we want to know people, we want to be people that know God's will for our lives. In fact, this is one of the biggest questions that I get asked, and, and most pastors that I know get asked, is what is God's will for my life? And usually that question happens when there's some kind of crisis or some very big situation happening. Maybe a new career opportunity is in front of you. Maybe it's the person that you're going to marry or, or the house that you're going to buy. And then we wrestle through, God, what's, what's your will for me in this? And, and those are good things to wrestle with, but God's will for us is far more than just isolated individual decisions, but our life as a whole. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we read this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right in there we see what God's will for us is. It's to not be conformed to the world. In other words, we're to have a renewed mind is the way that we think should be very different after we have confessed Christ as Lord. Because our purposes have changed. What's important to us has changed. Is what we should be seeking is God's glory. That his name would be exalted. That others would see his goodness. Not that I would receive great things. Not that I would have or that people would look at me but rather that they would look at God. As our minds are transformed, we should be testing everything by a new barometer. What is that barometer? We should be testing everything by the word of God. Paul shows the difference that exists between the Christian and the non-Christian in Romans 8, 6, and 7 when he says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Paul very clearly says that you cannot submit to God the things of your life if your mind is not first submitted to God. And so we need to set our minds and follow him. But if we read that again, is when we test it by the word of God, then we will know what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So what things lead to the edification of others? What things lead to the encouragement, the building up? What things lead to others knowing Christ? Then then pursue that because that is God's will for you. I'm convinced the older that I get, that the less important the decisions that we think like house, career, are as important to God as we think they are. I think God says, step through and let me use you. That's not belittling career. That's not belittling big decisions. What it's meant to be is that if we're doing what is right and following after God, that God will use us in amazing ways. And so how are we going to live? This brings us back to the Ephesians passage. Verse 16, and this is the most convicting verse that I've read in a long time. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. We live in a culture, and we see this, right? We know this. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but how many of you, maybe you shouldn't answer, maybe we shouldn't ask this question, but I'm going to anyway. Rhetorical, you don't have to put your hand up. How many of you find yourself on Facebook or Instagram scrolling through videos, watching things, and you feel your blood pressure boil, and you get more grumpy as you scroll because you're like, what is going on in our world? Is that the best use of your time? Is that the best use of my time? But we do see when we look through those things that the days are evil, that people are going against what the word of God teaches. And not passively, not not trying to sneak by, but there's an all-out assault against God and his character. And so we as Christians are called to make the best use of our time because the days are evil so that we would redeem them. This Greek word, make the best use of your time, could actually be translated as redeem the time. And so I was asking myself, do I use my time in the best way possible? There was a real quick answer. No. Again, rhetorical, don't put up your hand, but can any of us here make the claim that as a regular practice, we make the best use of the time that God has given us. One of the things that we hear often, every day, and we probably say often, maybe every day, is that we're too busy. Isn't that what we hear all the time? How are you doing today? Good but busy. Too busy. Too much going on. And there's certainly a reality that there are certain seasons of life where many external factors are going to contribute to the busyness of life. But here's the thing, is right on the beginning page of the Bible is God creates the world, and he creates day and night, and he says what? It is good. He doesn't say, oh, it's very limited. He says, I've given you what you need. Each one of us is in the same boat. We have 24 hours in the day. And the question is, how are we going to prioritize our time? How are we going to make the best use of our time? I quoted Martin Luther uh, in our series on prayer, the same, the same quote that I'm going to say now, but I think it bears repeating. He said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Can we fit in 10 minutes in prayer some days? Now, I'm not trying to suggest that 
his way is exactly the right way, but I am trying to suggest that there's a spiritual principle there that is true. When we slow down and when we submit to God and we pray and we pray through Scripture and we read through his words and we ask him for wisdom, if we do that every day, my belief is that we're going to start prioritizing our time very differently because we'll start to have God's heartbeat. We'll start to see the things that really matter, the things that matter in eternity and the things that don't really matter at all that we think are so important right here and right now. And this is just a human condition that we all struggle with is, is some circumstances that we face really have significance and some only feel significant and are really not that important. Not in the grand scheme of eternity anyway. And so we slow down. We ask God, how will we use our time? Well, we need wisdom. In his commentary on Ephesians, S.M. Bao writes this, Wisdom is especially needed in an evil age where the pathway to holiness is not always immediately clear until one reflects upon God's word and discerns his holy will. In other words, this, is if we think we have the wisdom we need to get through life and to accomplish the things that we want, then we're probably going to do exactly that but they're not going to be God's things. The pathway to holiness is not immediately clear. In fact, Satan is actively trying to push us away from what's important. There's an expression, right? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because when we're busy, we don't have time to think. We don't have time to slow down. Now, again, before we go any further here, is this is not me pointing the finger at anyone. Like I said, as I was reading through, studying through, I was convicted over and over and over again to the point where there were moments while I was writing a sentence and I stopped and I went, no, this, I, I'm focused on the task that I need to do, not on the Lord that I need to serve. Now, there are tasks we need to do. I'm not trying to say that you just throw everything away and pray all day and... No. We need to pray, but we need to act. But we need to act in God's will, not our own will. And so we pray for wisdom. Again, if I want to accomplish things tomorrow, I'll set a little to-do list, and I'll probably accomplish those things tomorrow. The question is, were those things the things that I should have accomplished tomorrow? Were those the things that God was calling me to do? Or were those the things that I was calling myself to do? Now, there's a reality that all of us face, right, is life is a little bit hectic, at least in our culture. I remember when I was in Greece on a missions trip, drove me completely nuts because from whatever it was, one o'clock until two o'clock, every store closed in the entire island because it was siesta time. Latin American people, right? Yeah, siesta, this is good. (laughs) Is there certain cultures that get this? And there's certain cultures like ours that don't. We value efficiency, and I was like, how am I supposed to get a chocolate bar? Like, my, I am hungry, and I need something, and no one is open. And I was rattled. 
And then other times where we're like in the midst of a little mission project and, and we would work through CS the time and all of a sudden we'd realize we're out of paint or we're out of, okay, here's a crazy story. Literally, we ran out of paint and paintbrushes and we had to go to two different stores to get that because on the island there were people who went, we sell paint, they sell paintbrushes. We would never sell what they sell because that would be an assault against them. And my whole view was challenged about how efficient our cultures were obsessed with it and we want to accomplish things. Do you know there's actually countries in the world that are putting the, f- the full-time work week down to 32 hours and finding that people are more productive than at 40? Could you imagine if you went to your boss and asked that question this week? Can you pay me the same amount but I'll work eight hours less? I digress, Sorry. The point of what I'm trying to say here is that in our culture right now, we are so busy. And there are many great ideas that float around us, and and we wrestled with this at Board Retreat. There's great ideas all over the place, but can we even accomplish those great ideas? Can we get on board with those things? Most of us don't have a whole bunch of extra time to donate to something worthwhile because our schedule is too full. So the question is, rather than say, I can't do that, do we evaluate our schedule and go, man, there's some things that need to go so that what I really should be doing is put in. Shayla and I have been talking about our verbiage lately. The words that we use and And how some phrases that have come to commonplace are actually excuses for us not doing the things that we should. Perhaps you've said it this way, I've said it this way many, many times. I wish I could do that, but I don't have time. Well, the issue is not that I don't have time. We all have the exact same amount of time. The issue is what am I choosing to do instead of that? I would like to do this certain thing, but... I can't. It's not that I can't. It's that I've chosen something else. And that's not necessarily bad or wrong, and I'm not trying to say it that way. What I am trying to say is our verbiage, we can either become victims in that and go, well, it's not my fault. I don't have time. Or we can say, should I make time for that? Here's an example in in our own life is my little brother phoned me a couple of months ago and he's getting married and, and he said, we're going to get married in September. Is there a time that works better for you? And instead of congratulating him first, my first thought was, please don't let it be on kickoff Sunday. <laughs> and I meant that very honorably, right? I wasn't like, because I got stuff, to, I was like, because I, I, I want things to go. Nothing hinges on me. Last week proved that just fine. Right? Everybody came here. People worshipped. People were fed. People went home. It was good. But my thought was, okay, make it, make it here at this time or whatever. Now, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, God answered that prayer and he's getting married the next weekend. <laughs> but still, I'm like, it's September. It's kickoff. Lots going on. But you go, this is important. My brother is important. I will make time for that. And my problem is usually that I don't take away and add. I try to just fit everything in. And usually what happens then is when I try and fit everything and I accomplish nothing very well. I accomplish it, but not as well as I could have. Because I was too busy. I was forced. I was rushed. I, I, I put my own schedule so full that I couldn't do the very things that God was calling me to do. Someone on our church board who will remain nameless always says it to me this way when we meet. 
We have time for what's important. I think that's true. What we deem as important, we will make time for. One of our friends is moving and needs help. We'll make time if it's important to us. Family calls us and needs us. There's illness or sickness. We'll make time. There's a problem with the business, health of the kids. Whatever it might be, we'll make time. So let me be as bold as saying this. And again, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here. I'm asking the question. If we think church is important, we'll make time. If we think Bible study in small group is important, we'll make time. If we think our personal prayer lives is important, we'll make time. But on the flip side, if our busyness distracts us from those things and we lose sight of how important they are, we won't do them. Because there's so many other things to accomplish. Now, I know that might sound very idealistic, and very, Greg, you don't have a hot clue what's going on in the real world. It might be true. <laughs> I know many of you work in industries such as tourism, healthcare, and your schedule does not come with a lot of consistency. I get that. But I have two challenges to you. The first one is going to sound really aggressive, and I don't mean it as aggressive as it sounds. But if your job, your career, is getting in the way of your relationship with God, then your job or your career needs to go. That doesn't mean you need to go get on the phone and quit with your boss this afternoon. Please don't just do that. It means you need to evaluate and ask the question, is my career more important than Jesus? Maybe I don't say that, but am I living that way? Am I practically going, well, I'll work eight hours a day, but I got no more than five minutes to study God's word? And again, I know we have bills to pay and families to feed, and I understand all of those things, and I'm not trying to simply make some kind of a calculator of going, as long as you spend you know, more hours in prayer than you do at work, then it's okay. That's not my point. But my point is, are we more excited about our prayer life? Are we more excited about our spiritual life, about attending church, going to Bible studies, connecting with the saints? Or are those the first things that get pushed aside when schedule gets full? Here's the other thing. If your schedule is all over the place, as I know many of yours are, BAMP is tough that way. And maybe you can't attend Bible study weekly because your schedule moves all over the place. Well, here's my question. Can you attend sometimes? I think often we have this idea of, well, I can't attend every week, and so I'm just not going to bother at all. But what logic does that make? That's like saying, because I don't have time to eat today, I'm not going to eat ever. Like, we know where that ends. Right, if we go, I'm just not going to go because I can only go half the time. Is studying God's word half as much as you could better than nothing? Obviously. So commit to it. 
Look at it and go, if I can't, if, my, if I am not working that night, that day, and there's something that feeds my soul, that will become priority to go. This is one of the reasons why our church uses Right Now Media as the way in which we do our Bible studies, because we know people can't attend every week. But that means that you at home, if you miss one, two, three in a row, you can watch those sessions. You can get the teaching. Yeah, you miss some of the conversation, and you'll miss some prayer together, and, and that is unfortunate, but you won't be lost because you'll know where we're moving forward in that particular book of the Bible. You have that opportunity. And so my challenge to you, and I'm not trying to make our small group numbers bigger or our prayer time better attended. My point is to renew a passion within us for this, is am I making the best use of the time? I promise you I'm not because I spent way more time watching baseball yesterday than I did thinking about God. Shame on me. I'm not saying we shouldn't have hobbies, that we can't have fun, that we can't do things that are entertaining to us. But all of those things should fall underneath worship, gathering as the saints, serving one another. Because that's what you were called to. In fact, you were given the great commission to go into the world and make disciples. That's what you were called to. How you accomplish that changes with each one of us. And we all have unique ways in which we can do that. In the, in the workplaces that we have, and with the housemates that we have, the families that we have, etc. But that's what our calling to is. We're not, let me say it this way. Uh, I don't think Ben's here, so I'm going to pick on Ben. We were having breakfast with the men's group the other day, and man, he said the mic drop moment of all moments for us. Um, somebody asked Ben kind of what he did for a living, and and he shared, he's a park ranger, and he said, that's one of the things I do. And in Banff, that usually means what? You have another job, right? He said, well, what else do you do? And he went, oh, well, like, like I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he listed through these things. And everyone just kind of got real quiet for a second. And there was this moment of, is my identity tied to my career or is my identity tied to Jesus? Do I accomplish my career with Jesus as central or am I this who happens to be a Christian? Those are two very different ways to look at things. And I remember him saying that and me just sitting there and going, this is why it's good that I'm not in charge all the time because other people have wiser things to say than I do. In our life, we need to regularly evaluate, look carefully how we walk. You could maybe say it this way, so that we make the best use of our time. Like I said, how many of us, uh, again, you don't need to answer this question. I probably already know the answer. Um, how many of us scroll through Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and we'll say, well, this is how we unwind or this is how we veg. This is how we deal with the stress of work. So there's questions that I think we should always ask with that. Is A, is that a helpful use of my time to unwind? Or is there a better way to do that? The things that, that I find, well, there's two categories. We'll say one is that is a time waster. Time wasters probably need to be cut out in large chunks of our lives. 
we could put TV watching, social media use, whatever else you want to fit in there that eh, really didn't accomplish anything except my own entertainment. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have any entertainment. But if we can't find 10 minutes in the morning to study God's word and pray, why can we find time to watch a two and a half hour movie that evening? Often in my life, it's been this sense of, oh, I forgot to do my reading or I forgot to do my prayer. I'll get to it, which is really code for what? Everything else will get be gotten to in that if I have time at the end of the day. And then I get into bed and I go, oh, I forgot to pray. And then what happens? You fall asleep while you're trying to pray. Maybe this isn't you. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself here. But these are the things that, that I'm wrestling with and evaluating my own time. Am I using it well? And Shayla and I had this conversation this week because she was fighting a super bad sickness. And I kept telling her, the best thing you can do right now is rest. That's what you need to do. And so the problem is there's no just easy one solution where if you just wrote down from 9.05 to 9.10, I do this, from 9.10 to, you know, every day is different. And your health is different from one day to the next. And your circumstances are different from one day to the next. Your season of life changes. You may be having to care for elderly parents or you may be stuck at home with kids in diapers. That's very different than right now. I'm very thankful Smong is almost 12. <laughs> right? There's, but here's the thing. And this is what... How do I say this? There's a lot of literature that's come out in the last couple of years dealing with kind of post-COVID stuff. And here's how it works, or here's how it worked, rather. Is the world basically shut down, right? And our jobs kind of hit pause, and we had to figure out how do we work from home and accomplish all these. And then a lot of our activities got paused and canceled. And all of a sudden, for the first time in many of our lives, we had all kinds of time that we didn't know what to do with. So maybe you heard the term COVID hobby. Mine was the unicycle. It did not last very long because I sucked. <laughs> but it was the sense of, I have time to do this now. And so what this literature has shown in these last couple of years is that at first people had a break from the busyness of their schedule. And everyone realized how burnt out and how tired they were because they were doing too much. And it was like, praise the Lord, I have time to relax. Problem is we don't relax very well. And we started to fill those things with other hobbies and other things. And as the world kind of opened up a little bit more again, and as we could uh, go and play sports and, you know, do activities with other friends and we were able to be in groups again, all of a sudden those things kept going. And then churches reopened and other volunteer organizations reopened and none of them could find enough volunteers because people who once did something were saying, well, I no longer can because my schedule is busy again. Because they had something. And when that thing left, they filled it with something else. That's what we do as people. And so we need to wrestle with this question of, and this is most of this is secular literature dealing with the reality that we're too busy and we need to learn how to slow down. But from a Christian perspective, we need to learn how to prioritize what's most important and let go of things that are not as important. Now, I don't know what that is for you, and I certainly do know what it is for me. 
in some senses. And I found, like I said, I found myself mid-writing, mid-sermon, mid-study, stopping. And I remember I was going through some documents and I was putting it on Google Drive for our board and, and it was our membership list. And I went, when was the last time that I sat down and I prayed through the entire membership list? And I remember thinking, I'll do that later. As I'm studying this, and God goes, no, you're not going to do that later. You should do that now. And so for the next hour, depending on how you look at it, I was either very unproductive, or I did what was way more important. And that's my struggle, and I think that's many of our struggles in this time, is do we make the best use of the time? Because the days are evil, and we don't want to be foolish. We want to understand what the will of the Lord is. If you want to understand what the will of the Lord is, his will is that you would make Christ known to the nations, to those that you have influence with. And so my goal here is not, oh, we're going to have 10 more volunteers for this and 10 more volunteers for that because people are going to feel guilted into doing things. I have no desire to do that. My desire is that each of us would go home and we would reflect and we would say, God, am I busy with lots of good things forgetting to do what's most important? There'll be things that we're wasting that we need to cut out. But there'll probably be a lot of other things that are not necessarily wrong or bad that might even be good that need to become less so that what's best can become more important. Again, my my challenge, here's just a really practical one for us as we go this week. Every time you want to sit down and throw the TV on, watch the news, watch sports, read a book, whatever it might be, ask yourself a question, have I spent time with God today? Not five minutes, have I spent time with God? Have I opened his word and read it and spent time in prayer? If I haven't, then those other things can wait because they're not as important. And again, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm pointing it at myself saying, man, how fast I get sucked into. And I work in a church. I work in ministry. And yet I fail to prioritize my own time. For those of you who don't or don't have the opportunity to, in the midst of your work, stop and pray through the membership list. It's going to be way more difficult for you. And I get that. And so I'm not trying to say it's easy. What I am trying to say is it's necessary. How can we prioritize the time that we have? How do we put what's most important as most important? And here was the question that I wanted to end with that was asked of me in my study as I kind of came across a, a writing where somebody said this. Is if somebody was looking at my life with a paper and a pen and writing down based on my week and how much time I spent doing things, what was most important in my life, what would that look like? Would they see Bible study as important? Would they see prayer time as important? Or would they see Toronto Blue Jays as idolatry? Maybe. I don't know what it is in your life, but I want to ask you that question. Is if you sat down and somebody evaluated your life based on how you used your time, where would God be on that list? And I know that's way oversimplistic and it's way more complicated than that. But I think we should evaluate. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Let's pray. 
God, this has been a challenge. These couple of small little verses here. God, would you give us the courage, each one of us the courage, to evaluate our schedules? To look at our day-to-day life and to see, are we spending way more time on things that are unnecessary? Would you help us to prioritize the things that have eternal significance? The things that matter and the mission that you have called us to? Would we as Christians show to the world that we do not want to be people who are too busy. We want to be people who are focused on what's good and right and perfect. God, may we have the courage to evaluate. May we have the courage to make changes where necessary. May our priority and our focus be first on you and everything else a distant second. God, would you help me wrestle through how I can use my time for you in the best way possible. May that be all of our prayer today. Go with us now. Amen.